0: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the FPL podcast on fantasy football community, a show that embraces everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling, and with me today is well-known pundit Lewis, also known as FPL Reactions. Hello, Lewis. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Mark. Yeah, really good. Thanks for the invite as well. I've been looking forward to recording with you and, and talking a little bit more about FPL.
0: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. something that we've been meaning to get done for for at least a week or so, but preseason has been pretty hectic on both sides really on on fancy football community and fancy football Scout. Um it's been roughly three weeks since FPL relaunched for the twenty three, twenty four season. And I know you posted your first draft soon afterwards, and you just sent me a draft there, a second draft. So um it'll I thought it'd be fun to see what's changed mm-hmm. since then because friendlies are underway, transfers have been made, just generally more time to think about things. But that's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think firstly it's important to mention that I have kind of dabbled between one or two drafts um, before reaching the second the, the the draft I just sent you. So there was a, there was one point where I tried to fit Salah, Haaland, and Trent into one draft, but I think a lot has changed, hasn't it? During pre season, um, there's a there's a lot of stuff that has been with monitoring, you know, like new sign-ins and, and, and obviously kind of there's, there's so many midfielder options this season that it kind of seemed impossible to keep hold of Salah. And, um, you know, he's, he is 12.5 million. We know how consistent he, he is, but, you know, there's so many good other options emerging, you know, you've got the like of Saka Rash. We'll probably mention some more as we kind of get to my latest draft, but I think that's the, the kind of main, um, the main factor that that's changed uh, in between the drafts. Um, so yeah, that Salah being the main change. You tend to stick, certainly when picking that
0: game week one squad, do you tend to have certain strategies every year? Maybe when it, comes to like do you have any sort of set rules when it comes to price points or formation stuff like that that you try to stick to
1: yeah i think it's worth kind of considering a few factors to be honest i think having flexibility is 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 kind of one of the main priorities for me and you know kind of being able to switch between different price tags uh, you know from a from a five million pound defender to a mid price midfielder and we know there's a lot of mid price midfielders this season so I think if you've got a couple of those covered then you've probably got more flexibility so yeah I mean in terms of in terms of price tags that is really important for me for me and being allowed to kind of switch between them as the as the start of the season progresses Um, I think another important factor is fixtures obviously you know a lot of people like you use the fantasy and me use the fantasy football scout fixture ticker quite a lot and I think I I look at the first six fixtures usually and and kind of base my team not 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 all of it but mostly on the fixtures and um, and I think whoever's got the first you know, good run of fixtures becomes like a priority. Obviously, taken into account, you know, stats and data and stuff from from last season. So, I think fixtures is a um, is a kind of a massive factor as well. So, fixtures and flexibility, two of my kind of biggest starting points when building a team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I know me personally for my team, when uh, once the season starts, you sort of get ownership percentages and. um it's what it says on the game isn't quite the reality of it because once you sort of five or six weeks into the game, it might say that player's owned by twenty percent, but in reality, on on live FPL, the effective ownership is is a lot different. But at the start, when everyone starts on zero, you can actually see. You, you can it's easy to judge how safe you want to play it really because they always say that you can't win the game in the first week, but you can lose it. And I don't know, there's there's definitely a temptation there to just go, go safe and have all the highest own players there and just have a safe start. That's flexible. Yeah. But um, I know last year I started with the differential of D and uh, yeah. at home at Southampton and it, and it worked, but um, when it comes to, and I'm sure we'll, discuss the differentials later on but it's kind of hard to um, convince yourself to put a differential in when there are so many options especially in midfield um, every differential means not having this really good midfielder or that one, it's it's kind of tough to squeeze yeah,
1: yeah. Ownership, is, ownership is funny isn't it because there are obviously not to go on too much of a tangent about other games but I do play Kind of non in a non ownership type of way in other games, so obviously Champions League Fantasy, Gaffer. Um, so the games that I've played, not played ownership in, I've tended to have good ranks, really, really good ranks, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think a lot of decisions are based on ownership, aren't they? At the start of the season, it's really hard to kind of go off the template. You can feel sometimes that when you see the ownership of of some of the players, you could feel more kind of drawn towards a player that you might not have necessarily wanted, um, which is interesting. But but yeah, I think start I think a lot of managers like to start safe, don't they? And then try and make their gains throughout the season.
0: Yeah. Start safe, especially if it is flexible, like you said, then then you could really go anywhere with that. You've got a safe team, you've got the big assets, but you've also got a range of price points and possibly money in the bank so that Basically any player is attainable. Um yeah. Might not be true um for those salarless teams, but uh I guess it's about making the most of that situation. Like if you if you don't have more salary in the team, then at least have make sure your five midfielders are all brilliant. Um that's that's sort of the best way to if he if he does uh, score against Bournemouth, then at least you've got a brilliant midfield who might also score that week. So
1: yeah, exactly. I, mean, I suppose we also have to remember that they, these players are picked for a reason, aren't they? So when you kind of draw up, say, the, the 10 most owned players in the game, they are, you know, or the majority of them or 80% of them are actually really, really good picks um, for the start of the season. Um, probably not so much trippier, but I think amongst the list, you know, the likes of Haaland, Saka, Asta, Penan, Rashford, the they are the, 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 the top five. Highest owned players in the game, and they're actually really good picks, aren't they? So we kind of have to remember that, although you know we we kind of, as managers, overthink ownership. The most owned players are still really good players, aren't they?
0: Picks. Yeah, there's there's reason for it. It's like mob mentality, or was it? it's Mob mentality, no. Um, sort of crowd, crowd thinking. Whatever that term yeah. is. Uh, yeah. You know, we're all playing, and if if a lot of us like that player, it's because they're actually good. So that's something to bear in mind. Your original uh, post three weeks ago had Jason Steele in goal. Now your draft has Andre Onana um, between the sticks. And I think that was quite a popular, last Friday the price reveal said that he was indeed 5 million. And I think that was what a lot of managers were hoping for. I I guess for you, was that always on your mind?
1: Yeah, I think originally I did really like the £4.5 million pound goalkeeper bracket. You know, the, you had the likes of uh, Jordan Pickford from Everton, um, Flacken, who was emerging as Brentford's kind of number one keeper or at least many expected him to take over from Raya, who again, many expected to leave. And um, of course, Jason Steele, who played the majority of the latter parts of the, the campaign for Brighton last season. So the £4.5 million kind of bracket was really interesting for me but the kind of emergence of Anana you know a keeper that I've watched for several years now and I was amongst those managers that were saying you know I really want a five million pound price tag because we know how good Man United are you know defensively they kept more clean sheets than anyone Um, I think it's important to, to get kind of defensive coverage um, in your teams as well for Man United because the fixtures aren't too bad either. It's quite a mixed, but I do really, I do really fancy Man United to keep to keep clean sheets. I I also think that there was a period. I also remember there was a period where United kept um, conceded a lot of shots actually, which um, which could help Anana because he's a great shot stopper. So I think he'll he'll do well in bonus too. And there's 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 so many factors. Um, backing on honor isn't there? you know you've got the clean sheets you've got the bps but you've also got the fact that luke shaw is is, is priced at 5.5 million now on honor is 0.5 cheaper um obviously shaw will have more attacking threat, or at least you know you would expect that but he wasn't overly convincing um i felt he i'm pretty sure dalo dalo actually edged him for non penalty expected goal, if a goal involvement last season, and he played far last minutes, so kind of being put off by Shaw also played a part in the the, the pick for Anana. Uh, but yeah, I just really like Anana. I I feel like he could just be a set and forget, or at least you know keep him in until the wild card.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when it comes to when it comes to purely having defensive coverage. Um, if the big teams like a lot of them have their goalkeeper the same price as the better defender, so at Arsenal, Gabriel is five million, Ramsdale's five million, um, stuff like that. But yeah, with Onana, he's actually cheaper, and that's the thing. Like that, that half a million over shore can do some really good things elsewhere. Um, and I, I suppose it's the same with Steele because yeah, like he he's cheaper than opinion, but I think when it when it comes to Estepinion and Shaw, the Brighton man is so so very attacking. Not that not that Shaw isn't an attacking player, but I just find it hard yeah. to resist um, the attack. As somebody who did not play Estepinion when he got that massive haul at Arsenal near the end oh, of last was,
1: season, I enjoyed that.
0: You enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed it. I didn't. Particularly enjoy it. That was it. Was it was torture, and I think that's the sort of thing that stays on the mind in preseason. And now it's like, yeah, that's not happening again. It's the opinions in, um, and yeah, Onana. So that that half a million is 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 pretty important. I think Steel Steel does seem uh, one of Brighton's preseason games the other day. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was maybe the one against Brentford. Um, Steel was meant to be very good in
1: i'm pretty sure he got an assist as well in one of his most recent friendlies i'd have to double check that but i'm pretty the, sure
0: one of the assists for a one of because that's what brighton need yet another brilliant gem bought for pennies and it turns out it is he's brilliant um yeah so steel has an assist as well so it could be his shirt it, it feels as preseason goes on, it does feel more and more likely that it is his shirt to lose, but uh, Sanchez is still there. Verbruggen has come in for a lot of money. He, he might be their European goalkeeper, but uh, there, there is a little bit of uncertainty there over Steele. But, yeah, Onana seems to certainly be the, the popular goalkeeper of the last week. In defence, both of your drafts there, have Trent Alexander-Arnold. In and I suppose that is a big question about managers where where their teams are going because a lot seem to do have Trent, but then some of the trend over the last week has been to go without him because again that extra two or three million saved can do great things and Liverpool are conceding quite a bit. You still got him in. Where is your mind at with Trent?
1: I think, so the, my, the reason I put Trent in firstly was because, you know, he's just a great asset and then, you know, he played midfield for the latter part of the season. We kind of expect the same with that. He's just so creative, isn't he? I think he, he created more big chances than any other defender last season. And I think what, what people, people, I suppose people are expecting a better Liverpool this season. Um, you know, with some of the signs, yes, they need uh, another addition in central midfield, but we can't. I kind of expect them to get that. So, although they have been conceding goals in pre-season, Trent has still been returning. So I think he, I think he picked up three goals, con- goals and assists in his last four games, and that's for England, both England and Liverpool. So, the clean sheets, I suppose, are a bonus. Um, but I also expect Liverpool to sh- to strengthen defensively, and for me. When I so I have tried to take Trent out and haven't posted a draft without Trent in, but I have tried, and I I can honestly say that the additional funds I genuinely didn't know what to do with like, I, mm-hmm. I really didn't know what to do with the extra two million. Um, and, and so it kind of put me back in a position where I was just like, right, I'm going to keep Trent you know, he's a great asset. He is great. I I suppose when you kind of compare him to the seven, eight million pound midfielders or seven, eight million pound defenders, I think I I still feel like he's a better option. Obviously there's loads of different factors and implications um, in that, but kind of, and we'll move on. We'll probably talk about defenders and midfielders a little bit further on, but when you compare Trent to, you know, the likes of, I don't know, Madison, he doesn't, Madison doesn't feel convincing. Diaz, Yota, both rotation risks. Foden is a rotation risk, but we'll probably discuss him further in, in the pod. And In terms of the strikers, there's, there's nothing majorly convincing there either, other than Gabriel Jesus and uh, potentially some of the Chelsea strikers. I, I guess it, it brings me back to this, a situation where I genuinely just don't know what to do with the money, but I also like Trent as an option.
0: Yeah, I had a similar thought the other day because, yeah, without Trent, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe that 6.5 midfielder can now become Son, Son Hyun min But then I thought, but actually, I probably, probably would prefer starting with that 6.5, really, because Sun's preseason season hasn't taken off, really, compared to some of his Tottenham teammates. So right now, um, yeah, like that money... It's nice to have it starting with some fo- some money in the bank is maybe advised but, but but maybe half a million not two million that 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 feels like maybe a bit too much to have in the bank if there is such a thing mm. so yeah, he at least with Trent, you can downgrade him it's it's a lot easier to downgrade Trent than upgrade someone to him
1: um, yeah it's also like another factor is um of course. Like if I didn't have Trent, I would have no Liverpool, which scares me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think we Trent, you're getting a, the best of both worlds, aren't you? You are getting the potential defensive rewards and the potential offensive rewards. So you know he 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 could he could have double digits in any given game, couldn't he, Trent? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's it, isn't
0: it? Really. Uh, you've also got Arsenal centre back Gabriel. Um, all along it seems like you've had him.
1: It's the goal yeah. threat,
0: isn't it? Really?
1: Yeah, I really like the starting fixtures. Um, you know Arsenal did maintain some good defensive stats last season, and I think it's really important to have defensive cover from Arsenal, similar to United. You know, I really want defensive cover from Arsenal. I don't think I like Ramsdale that much, but you know, you just mentioned it. He's, he's got attacking threat. He I think he ranked fourth for attempts on goal last season with 32. So he is Arsenal's most dangerous defender in terms of goal threat. And I think at 5 million, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of expected a 5.5 price tag for Gabriel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was, surprised, I was very surprised. And then as soon as that happened, um, to me, there was never any other Arsenal defender under consideration Possibly Ramsdale in goal because it was hard to sort of wedge all the teams in, but it was never going to be Zinchenko or or White, was it? White's White's even more money, actually, but Gabriel has the security. And there was a stat that said, so not only did Gabriel have the best XG expected goals of all defenders last season, but his early opponents were pretty poor at defending set pieces, which is exactly where he was, Doing that XG, so it it sounds like a perfect matchup at the start.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Gabriel is just someone that has not. I don't think he's left my draft, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be in my game week one team.
0: And we've already mentioned Estepinian, who is in your latest draft because he is just so incredibly attacking and bright, and have a good early few fixtures. Uh, The original one that you posted had Reece James and <laughs> yeah. as a Chelsea fan and he he did play over an hour against Newcastle in that friendly as a Chelsea fan what what's what's your advice on James and and Chilwell
1: right now so i think pre-season is going to be really important isn't it um we know Reece James has been ill he's he's also very very injury prone you're right, he you know, he played he played an hour the other day against Newcastle, which is you know, it is really positive. Um, he didn't look as sharp as kind of I'd want him to look, but then again, he's only just come back from injury. I think if I had to pick an option out of them, it would be Ben Chilwell. So he so he scored in one of his friendlies, and then um, looked really attacking against Newcastle. Actually, I think he had two snapshots, mm. and forced, a, forced a good save from Pope. So, but that that kind of just highlights his his goal threat potential. You know, he he was he was kind of the most advanced fallback when he was on the pitch. We're a little bit unsure as of yet how attacking either Reece James or Ben Chilwell will be will be on the same pitch you know we i think fans are expecting one to be more advanced than the other they kind of don't expect to be both um holding you know advanced positions or whether they rotate first half second half no one's actually sure that but going into the season i would definitely back um banchelwald and I kind of that leads me back onto the pervisassta uh conversation because his fixtures actually change um they 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 turn a bit sour um Astor fixtures around game week 3 and 4 so i mean i've got i've got 0.5 million saved um just in case just in case i kind of want to make that change or early change or but but aston will will probably eventually be the scapegoat to yeah. move to to Chilwell. yeah
0: and also after alexander arnold has bournemouth in game week 2 um that could be a decent time to downgrade him as well. So there's there's a couple of routes to get to Chelsea. So are you advising to maybe wait and see over the first couple of game weeks because it's it's a return to a four man defence. So as you say, maybe James and Chilwell can't quite be what they were. So it's is it just waiting to see which one of the two is getting forward?
1: Basically. Yeah, I think so. I think seeing because because it's inevitable that they're both they they'll both be first team. So seeing as it stands, obviously Chilwell would be would edge it for me, but I think it's really it's gonna be really important. Not only are the fixture swings important in that, you know, in that first kind of period for Brighton and Chelsea and switching from Brighton to Chelsea, but it's also really important to monitor yeah. Who who is the most advanced fullback out of out of Ben Chillwell and Rhys James? Um, so that also kind of bodes well for, you know, the kind of waiting period between game weeks one and three. And also, like, quick, because
0: I was, yeah, Chillwell does have a lot of appeal. The only thing was that is is like is Kukurea, um, Lewis Hall, any other left backs? There's there's a few left backs there. Basically, is there any sort so- of?
1: Yeah, so in, in terms of in, in terms of rotation, I'm not expecting that much at all because obviously you no know, European football. Uh, Bancho is well, getting back to his best now, but it's also I'm also there's there's serious question marks over how good Cucurella is because uh, for the for the game against um, I think it was Newcastle, he was he was awful. It was actually at fault, I think, for the Almiron goal. I think he misread and misjudged the through the ball. And you could see that. You could see kind of a delay in his action before Almiron was through on goal. Nothing to take away from the Newcastle, dog, because I know you're a Newcastle fan. Mm-hmm. Almiron was excellent. Um, but Cucarella was just so, so poor. So in terms of having an adequate replacement for, for Chill, we we don't have one. You could, you could bring in the likes of... You could also raise questions over Ian Mattson, who who did play left back, left wing back for Burnley last season, but he's actually been utilised as a right wing, uh, in a right wing position. So I'm not too sure Poch will kind of revert him back to a left back um, since trying him in, in in right wing. I think he could be an attacking option, Matson, rather than a you know kind of left back option. It
0: takes one away. Matson. I don't think he's he's still not being added to the game. Yeah, he's not added to the game. The time of recording, so that's um. I know I was hoping the same for this. Is very niche this one, but the Crystal Palace guy Raksaki, um, which I think on one of the Scout Notes articles that I wrote over on Scouts, basically I was like, oh, this guy's done really well for Palace in this game. Fifteen goals for Charl- Charlton last season, and Elise is out. Wow, that could be the f- the four point five million mid, and then mm. and then he's just not there still. So,
1: um. Yeah, a couple of enough. updates to be made, isn't there? Um, I think I expected Matson to be in the game as a defender already, which you know it could have led to potentially unearthing a gem with Matson back. Yeah, unfortunate because he'll probably be added as a midfielder now. Oh,
0: unfortunate, yeah, that's true. And then speaking of midfield, um, a couple of these names have been uh, touched upon and sort of teased for later. Well, now is the time. You've got a five-man midfield, and I think a lot of us have. Uh, like even the traditional three four three managers, a lot of them seem to have converted to three five two. Are you pretty set on that? On that formation?
1: No, I don't think I am. I think the past few the past few days actually, I have been, and this this is quite difficult to talk about without actually bringing um, bringing in an asset from my team. Um, so I, I so I'm going to do that. So one of my picks is Phil Foden. Um, he's 7.5 million. There's, You know, there's kind of been a lot of talk around Foden during pre-season, whether he'll get game time or not. I'm not too sure he started any of the pre-season games, which isn't a good, uh, which isn't a good indica- early indicator. But but yeah, no, I think what I have been looking at is because I don't have much flexibility in terms of cash. Um, so for me to kind of get from Foden to someone else I would need extra money, but I also don't think there's any viable options around the kind of seven to eight million pound mark that I could get to. You know, the likes of Martinelli. You know, I already have uh, Gabriel Jesus, so kind of rules him out. The Liverpool attack think you know, they're both is it Jota and Diaz are both seven point five million. You know, we're not too sure on their game time or expected game time. There could be rotation risks. Yeah, really. Yeah. He's he he's probably nailed, but you know there's question marks around his output. Madison, another one, not completely sure how well he's going to do. So with with that in mind, it's it's it has kind of made me think about a 4-3-3 with the three strikers at top. And obviously, you know, you you've seen um, the the Chelsea preseason. Jackson and Ken, and and Kunku are. Beginning to kind of, I suppose, make people believe that they could be good assets potentially. So, yeah, the 4 3, I have been debating between the 4 the, the three, 5 2 and the 4 three, three at the moment. Mm,
0: yeah, I the think there was definitely a spell where Fordon was coming quite a popular asset again, but then I think Kevin De Bruyne seems to already be back from that I think the the thought was with Mares sold and De Bruyne hurt in that Champions League final that Foden should be nailed but all of a sudden De Bruyne was on the bench as an unused sub against Bayern Munich but just being there at all suggests that he'll be fine for game week one so it it sort of adds that little bit more doubt over Foden
1: doesn't it really yeah, 100%. He's always been one of those assets, hasn't he, that at the start, that during pre-season, you're always tempted by, you know, you always think this is his year, this is the this is the season that he's going to lift off and score 200 plus points, but it just never, never seems to be the case, does it? So he is kind of one player who could change the dynamic of my whole squad Um just because I, I, can't again. None of the other options at that price are actually convincing. And other than the strikers, you know, if if, if we kind of get further towards the start of the season, and then Kunku is, or, or Jackson even is becoming a, a, a really viable option, then switching Foden out and going to a four, a, a free four-three, sorry, is, is is could be, um, could be one I go I uh, go for.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, same as you like the last few days just been thinking. The problem with preseason is that there's a lot of overthinking going on. So, you know, 3-5-2 seem nailed and then you start thinking, well, what if? What about this? What about this? If I if I take that player out and go 3-4-3, three, three, oh, well, that's 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 interesting. And yeah, you see the the Chelsea options as as and, and Jackson. Do more over preseason. I suppose there's a little bit of doubt over do they both start. And Kunku certainly looks like he's more nailed, but also could not be exactly a striker either. So
1: Yeah, i mean it was difficult. A lot of Chelsea fans kind of wanted to see them play together, and we did. Um Jackson as the striker and Kunku, you know, just behind there's this uncertainty around penalty duty still, although many expect Nkunku to take it, that may not happen um but yeah out of the two uh, Jackson is looking the most dangerous, the most kind of efficient in terms of output um but Nkunku is kind of the minutes machine and and what's also significant is that if Jackson does get the the early sub. Which uh, going off pre season is, is, is could be the way it goes, then Nkunku could play in the striker role, which, mm. which reinforces Nkunku as an option. But I, I just feel that we need more clarity um, to kind of distinguish between Nkunku and Jackson because at the moment it's a very difficult decision. Jackson's got the, the actual goals and assists, but and Nkunku's got the minutes. I think it's just
0: it's just come to mind there actually that I think part of my hesitation over it in Kunku is based on the last time Chelsea bought a forward from Leipzig, um, and he was the yeah. new sign in Timo Werner and I, I think he was a he was like fifty percent ownership at the start of that season. Everyone had expected big things and then and then it didn't work. So then the lesson after that was hey new sign-ins, don't start with them, with the exception being Haaland. Last season. Hey, let the sign ins prove themselves and then make sure you have flexibility to get them in. So I think Werner is kind of scarred on Kunku a bit. But yeah, as the season gets closer, you sort of study the friendlies a bit more. He he is very tempting. And to have a a striker spot with maybe him or even Ollie Watkins was starting to sort of remember oh, hang on, Villa have bought really well. They seem like they're gonna have a great season, and Watkins is their nailed striker. So even he might not be a an attractive pick amongst the community right now, but he's a he's a good he's a solid option as well if he can be afforded.
1: Yeah, for sure. I do I do really like Holly Watkins. The only issue is is I'm kind of kind of don't know where they are in terms of like how that how they're going to play I mean we expect them to play well don't we under the under yeah. the manager but yeah I guess Ollie Watkins has kind of gone under the radar I mean it doesn't help that they've got you know the likes of Newcastle Liverpool maybe Chelsea and Brighton in the first seven but I, I do think he's definitely one to keep an eye on because when his fixtures get good around game week eight and they get really good um it's just like a sea of green I, I do think he could be um a potential option, either on the wild card or or some could even go with him now, and and you'd expect him to score goals early on, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, you would. And the the addition of Moussa Diaby is is a is a new teammate of his is a six point five million mid. He's interested. We did a scout report on him on online, and uh, yeah, certainly one of those two could be good. But you have gone for two other. 6.5 mids and that's Mitoma and Mbuemo, and they yeah. they they've been in both drafts so are they are they pretty secure for you
1: yeah yeah i think so i i really like that i kind of really really like that price bracket the 6.5 million there's 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 so many options there and you know similar to the kind of Seven to eight point five. There's, there's there is there is, there are a lot of options. So I think having two six point five could allow me the flexibility to have, you know, two of them or, or or skip between these options. You know, because you you have got the likes of Solly March as well. So if there was a time that I wanted to double up on the Brighton attack, I could move there or potentially Pascal Gross. Mudrick is also. Worth keeping an eye on um, for Chelsea at six point five because he's been he's been really good actually in pre season and he's I think he's starting to convince more than Raheem Sterling. He scored, you know, he could have he could have scored from a, a shot against Newcastle and also got an assist. He didn't, um, and then you've and then like you said with the with the Villa lads, you've got the likes of Buendia who who could do really well, Gibbs White at Nottingham Forest. So I think having the kind of yeah, around that that flexibility is is really good too. But in terms of the actual assets, um, Matoma is is the one for me. I do like Solly March, although as frustrating as he was last season for for many, um, I do really like Matoma. You know, he catches the eye. He I think he had more big chances than any other Brighton attacker last season and played far less minutes. So he he is the kind of standout option for me, and he's also nailed, isn't he? you would also until at least European football, you'd expect him to be, you'd expect him to be starting every single game.
0: Well, yeah, that's 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 it because Roberto De Zerbi, post match the other day, did have a quote that will just frighten the FPL community. It, it was sort of hinted at at the end of last season where there was a lot of rotation in those final weeks, but he he flat out said, "We have a lot of competitions." I'm going to change a lot of names every three to four days, which is awful. But as you say, Europe doesn't start for the, about a month or so, right? So at least for the the yeah. first three game weeks where their fixtures are good, Matoma should be safe for them. It's after that where where he might not be worth the stress because if he that, beyond game week three, the rotations, yeah, get rid. But the start yeah. against Luton.
1: Yeah, you'd expect him to kind of play those first three games, and then the fixtures get a little bit difficult, don't they? You know, Newcastle at home, United away, Bournemouth, Villa, Liverpool, Man City. So there, there is a there is a fixture swing for Brighton um, there. So I mean, with with Europe as well, it could be an easy switch to, you know, another six point five or six or less option.
0: Absolutely, and then and M- Bueno at, at Brentford, he. Um, and I suppose later on when it comes to differentials I was going to mention uh, Johan Rissa up front but the, the, the two Brentford guys uh, you've gone for Embuemo I've still got Embuemo as well because he he from the start was in because I just thought wow he was I thought he was sort of playing as a striker but was classified as a midfielder with penalties now it yeah. turns out that when it's 4-3-3 he is sort of out wide but uh, his underlying stats of last season would compare quite well with the midfielders of last season. So, if he is on penalties with a decent win of fixtures, it's a pretty good 6.5 midfield option that.
1: Yeah, I really, I really like Be- um, and 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 I think it's it's important to mention that he had a really good season um, last campaign. You know, he scored nine goals and got eight assists. He got seventeen goals and assists from thirty eight matches, mm. and kind of from that, you know, from that wing, from predominantly the, the right the right wing position. So, but he did have Tony. I suppose there are question marks over over him. You know, whether he'll. Perform better or or worse with, without Tony? You know how how is it all going to play out? But I think the bottom line is that Thomas Frank is is an excellent manager, and and I think with or without Tony, he he's going to get them going. Um, so I think yeah, he's he's on penalties as well. I think there's there's some are going to doubt it. You know there are going to be some, but for me, I'm I'm firmly in the mm-hmm. employment Camp at the moment.
0: Yeah. The- Ivan Tony only missed five games last season and that's those five games are where 14 of the 29 returns came for Mbwemo and Vissa. So when Tony's not around, those two seem to be doing really, really well, but Mm. over a longer period of time, uh, you can't really sit, you can't reflect on the past too much when picking your FPL team, just because they were good in those five games doesn't automatically mean they're Great choices now and yeah, Tony suspended until January, so can they maintain those numbers? I don't know. It's um there's always somebody much hyped in pre-season who who uh who sort of flops a bit and you know, could yeah. it be him?
1: I don't know. Hope not. Similar to um similar to Pedro Nato last season, maybe, but oh. we'll see.
0: Did you see that he scored the other day for Wolf? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Anyone tempted? No, (laughs) too soon. Um, your other midfielders: Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka. So that's basically Saka as your preferred Arsenal midfielder of the many, and Rashford instead of Bruno Fernandes.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, Rash. I think in terms of Saka, he is. You know, he is for me the standout um, midfield option, and I think what what does help is the fact that he takes the penalties. He's amazing, you know, all the all the Arsenal midfielders are amazing. Martinelli, Odegaard, and Saka, you know, there's there's so many options there, but I think that I think the kind of appeal of penalties as well does edge it. And you'd always expect Saka to be fully involved in, in every single game in terms of you know attacking wise because I suppose with Martinelli, you know, we 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 could see him come off early most games. Um, we saw that he we saw that he came off early uh, quite a lot last season. Um, Odegaard, you never know what you you're going to get expect from Odegaard. You're never too sure if he's going to haul or if he's going to, you know, stay quiet. He he, he doesn't feel consistent enough. Um, although he had amazing data last season, you know his, his expected goal involvement was um, was was definitely up there. I just kind of never know what to expect with with Whereas with whereas I do with Saka. He's going to drive forward. He's going to cut in on his left foot, and he's going to try and score most games, and he did that a lot as well. So, but yeah, Saka definitely for me the, uh, the standout Arsenal option. But in terms of in terms of Marcus Rashford, very similar. Um, Bruno Fernandes he. He did maintain some very good data last season. He really did. And he also takes penalties as well, which is interesting. But I think, similar to Odegaard, I I was never quite sure what I was going to expect from Bruno. You know, was he going to play deep and get a yellow card and blank? Whereas with Rashford, you know, I'm, I'm convinced with Rashford, I know he's going to drive forward. He's going to shoot on sight. I think he... Ranked second for shots for attempts on goal last season behind Salah, uh, made the top four players in the game. So that's what you're going to get with Rashford. You're going to get shots, probably goals. Um, So, yeah, for me, Rashford over Bruno was an easy decision.
0: Yeah, Rashford's gone up so much in price and yet there still hasn't really been a doubt over him. So that says a lot. First of all, the the fact that he was 6.5 last season, in retrospect, this just looks incredible um but he's nine million and and yeah he's still kind of in the template because he's the top option i'm really irritated by the fernandez price because traditionally i'm not a bruno guy in terms of fpl i know a lot of people are but um not really a massive i feel often let down owning him but his price is so cheap that it just feels like oh fine fine i'll have him but I should probably get out of that mindset and just pick players that I believe in. But yeah, his his price is it's succeeded and it's getting managers to think, which is what we need. Yeah, I think
1: what what is worth mentioning is is that I like, I do like Bruno as a pick. You know, I I have bought him in the past, but I kind of look at the United fixtures and okay, they've got they've got a mixed bag. They've got Burnley away, they've got Newcastle, which will be turf. Uh, no sorry they've got Wolves sorry and then Tottenham away then Forest, but then they've got Arsenal and Brighton like they're they're, the fixtures don't entirely convince me but at the same time they also didn't register too many shots like they weren't they weren't as convincing in attack you know there wasn't they you know you'd at a gas you'd expect them to Get close to the top four for goals scored, but they weren't. They were quite far, far down the list. So, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a, a United attack, you probably pick Rashford. And I, I'm really not keen on the the doubler based on, um, you know how they how many goals they scored last season and how convincing they did look. But maybe that'll change. Yeah, that's
0: fair. Maybe three for those fixtures. Maybe three Man United. Maybe too many. The, the only thing about having both is that. When uh, when fixtures do get tough, Fernandez, there's a lot of great options that he could be downgraded to, and so we've mentioned them all already. But yeah, yeah. that's that's the only thing. But in terms of uh, getting the points early on, the penalties is a is good is a good skill. But uh, yeah, just got to see how that yeah is is too many United Mids overkill when there's so many other names up front. I feel like the player. Least talked about in preseason in a way is Haaland because he's just everyone's just like, Well, yeah, Haaland, and then just with no justification because there's no need. Yeah, he's gone up to so. a, a joint high price of 14 million. Um, no one's ever started at a higher price than that, and he's still on 85% ownership. No one's no one's fallen for that trap of uh, going without him. It's it's it almost feels non-negotiable to have him.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's there's kind of not much to say regarding Harland, is there? Because he it, it you're basically going into the season with ten players, right? You, you know, Harland is is basically it's like he's not even there in a sense because he's going to be. Close to hundred percent effective ownership, probably higher. Um, most weeks as well for people punting on triple captaincy chips. So for me, it's it's like he's not even there. He's absolutely essential, but at the same time, it's like he's just not there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, it helps because he's going to dominate captaincy. It sort of helps a little bit with um, not having Salah because a lot of people would still maybe captain Harland over Salah versus Bournemouth. And yeah, if everyone's doing that, then there's less fear of going without Salah. Because that will be... I know he blanked against Bournemouth in last season's 9-0, uh, captained them for that. But, uh, yeah, it's just... The gap between Saka... Sorry, the gap between Salah and a lot of the other good midfielders is sort of like three to four million. And I sometimes find it hard... To sort of justify, he will, he will be, he will score over two hundred points, and he will be one of the top scorers in the game. But that's quite a bit extra compared to Fernandez and Rashford and Sun, for example. If any of these names take off, then they're like several million pounds cheaper.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Totally agree. It's going to be, um, it is going to be interesting to see what people do with uh, the front line. This season, to be honest,
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. If 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 either Darwin or Gakpo was sort of Neil, Gakpo did start the majority last season when when he arrived in January. But if if we for sure had a starter from those two, that could be a fantastic option up front um, as a way to sort of cover being without Salah. So now that we are on on forwards, yeah, they are. Those two Liverpool guys are seven point five, but they, yeah, the fact that they're all scoring in preseason and all having a good preseason doesn't really help. Uh, Diaz no, as well. It just makes it harder to pick you. Your second striker well, alongside Haaland is Gabriel Jesus. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I think to be, I don't think he's. I'm, I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that he's. Been in all of my drafts. I'd have to double check that, but I just, I just feel like for in the striker bracket, I would probably say he is he is the best option to start the season. The fixtures are really good. Uh, we know he's fully fit now, um, so I mean that's that's a bonus with Jesus as well. He was also really effective when he did play. Now uh, he does, he does seem to rack up a good amount of expected goal and uh, goal involvement. The, the, the only concern I have with Jesus is his finishing isn't that good. But I think what kind of balances that out is that he will get so many chances, similar to maybe Darwin at Liverpool. You know, he, he will get so many chances that he's bound to score. Um, mm. Although we didn't kind of necessarily see that with with Darwin eventually last season. He just kept missing and missing and missing. Um, we, we know that Jesus can... Can score, you know. He's he did well when he was when he was fully fit, and I just think he's also zero point five cheaper than the likes of um, Odegaard as well. And again, you expect him to start every game, don't you? So I don't think I'm worried about rotation with Gabriel Jesus. You'd expect him to lead the Arsenal line, and and I, I just think the lack of the lack of options in that front line also bodes well for the kind of or at least contributes to the to the hazys pick. Yeah,
0: it, it does make a lot of sense. And uh in terms of other forwards. Well I guess differentials in general, um which which basically do you have a list of differentials with low ownership that no one else is talking about that's maybe tempting you
1: yeah I mean there's a few there's probably a few that we've we've already talked about actually. Um Jack Grealish, he's he he has come up a few times in my head. He he basically see the, the issue with the, the Manchester City attackers is we don't know who's nailed do we, we don't know if Foden's gonna play. So uh, you know the easy fix for that would be um to include someone like Jack Grealish, he's he's less than ten percent owned, Man City have great fixtures, you know he's gonna play. And there, he also showed signs of improvement in terms of goals and assists last season. I remember he got a goal and assist against Liverpool and then a game after got a goal and assist against Southampton. So there is there is potential there um for him to do well. So he is he's one of them. Um I've got Ben Chilwell, who we've already discussed, I think, with with the great fixtures, you know, and, and the fact he's nailed the fact that he's Kukurela is awful, there's no European football there's always the potential, the opportunity to jump on Ben Chilwell early you know, to kind of avoid the price rises because, you know, we, we could he could do well against Liverpool the last few Liverpool Chelsea games have been I think nil-nil, past three mm-hmm. or four times yeah. so there's always potential there for, for Ben Chilwell um, Nicholas Jackson as well, £7 million striker a lot of the focus is on Ankunku at the moment, um, but we, but we, it's one of those, isn't it? We could well see similar to Wilson at Newcastle. Like I was, I backed Wilson um, over Isaac. I know many didn't, but a lot of were kind of concerned about Wilson's minutes. But, but it kind of feels like one of those situations where Kinku might have the minutes, but Jackson might have the actual. Um, you know, the FPL reward, you know, he, he looks really flurry, goals and assists. Um, he's already got four, uh, five goal contributions, is it, in his last four friendlies or whatever it is. So, yeah, five, mm. five, five three assists, two goals and three matches. So he looks like one of those players who could do well. Another one is Solly March. You know, we've already we've already discussed him. He looks like he's going slightly under the radar um sorry if i'm taking over your differentials here (laughs) No, no,
0: march wasn't under someone did point out on twitter the other day that like a few months ago march versus matoma was was a huge battle they were both highly owned and it was a question of which and now the price the same and yet there's no debate this time what's why is march being overlooked
1: yeah, it's a shame really, isn't it? Because I think of a lot of the um a lot of the bias is towards the fact that he was really, really, really lively um last season but didn't have as much output as many expected. I think to be honest, he 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 did maintain some fantastic underlying stats. and he created more big chances than any other Brighton attacker. Um so the stats are there I think people just need more convincing with March. But he is nailed. You know, we don't expect him to, or at least until the European football, we don't expect anyone to take his position in on the right. So, yeah, he he could be a great alternative to Matoma. I know last season I had Matoma and March, um, and I, I felt a lot safer doing that. But, yeah, it does feel like the Matoma is the standard option. But I think if you're going to go differential, why not go March?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I mentioned earlier was an alternative to Mbwemo was to go with a six million striker in, in Rissa, who does seem to be the forward while Tony's out. Um, and yeah, just like Embuemo had a actual good season that wasn't really noticed, and his output increased without Tony. And he's the same price point as... And I feel bad saying it out loud, but Dominic Calvert Lewin, um, the six million striker bracket has a few names that are maybe semi-interesting. Although I don't know, I'd probably always pick that fifth midfielder over, over a visa or a or a DCL. But if if that half a million was desperately needed, um, it could sort of go three four three and have either a DCL, and who else was down there like? Edward at Crystal Palace is five five. That's that's not gonna. That's a that's an ultimate differential. Um, if one of the West Ham strikers emerged, like if Antonio Oscar Maka was sold, and Danny Ings was the clear favorite, then he's six million. That that's a that's a route. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jared Bowen, his teammate in midfield, he's had a good preseason. The last thing we need now is more midfield options. Um, Diaby's good. I like. At Tottenham, and this brings us to, to 4.5 million defenders, actually, because your initial draft had Sven Botman as a as a 4.5 million defender on the bench. The latest one um, just has Baldock and, and Bayer, sort of the, the 4 million, mm. because that money was needed. But um, 4.5 million defender, Destiny Udogi at Spurs. Yeah. if And it's a big if, because... There's A few up to have Reguion. They have, I mean, Perisic may not be used. I think maybe Perisic could be used further upfield, and Sessinion is injured. So maybe Destiny maybe is locked in a bit. Um, but maybe when it comes when it compares him with Pedro Porro, he's half a million cheaper and he did score a tap in in preseason. He could be interesting, but. It's, it's you know, can Spurs' defence be trusted? I don't think a defender should purely be picked. And this is the same for Trent as well. You can't purely pick them on attacking credentials. There's got to at least be some defensive solidity there, right?
1: Yeah, no, like you said, there's, there's, there's so many options, isn't there, um, around that kind of bracket. It's funny you should mention Adoki, actually, because... It kind of as soon as you started talking about the, as soon as you started talking about the defenders, I literally couldn't stop thinking about the four million pound defenders, and I'm not too sure. I don't think we've touched upon the four million pound defenders yet, have we?
0: No, we're just about to segue into that, yeah. Because uh, you do have two of them, two of them on your bench, and it it feels like this season we have not just one guaranteed starter at four million, but several.
1: Yeah, no, there's this there's kind of been this influx of, of four million pound defenders. You you I, I don't know I don't know if it, it usually feels like we kind of got one, maybe two, um, but this season we kind of have a little pool of them, don't we, that we can just kind of pick from. But yeah, I know you've you have you've got the likes of um Kabore at Luton now, who, who is expected to play right wing, uh Maury Bell also Luton, uh um Bayer at Burnley. And obviously, Baldock at Sheffield tonight. So, it, it kind of it kind of make it puts you in a position where you can go lighter on the bench, and like I'm, I'm, I'm less worried about having two four million pound defenders. Saying that out loud makes me worry, but when I look at who they are, and and having watched the kind of championship and and, and in terms of minutes and stuff, I kind of know I'm probably going to be able to rely on a couple of them, um, at least until the wild card. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if you have three supreme starting defenders like you do, like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Gabriel, Sturpinian, like those those three are, they're not they're not getting rotated to the bench. So, and they're they're pretty nailed on. So yeah, like having two two of them on the bench should be okay at the start, really. And and they will get the minutes. They probably they might not bring the clean sheets, and certainly. The Burnley and Luton defenders do blank in game week two, so make sure they they won't be needed in that week for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But it feels a lot easier having two four million defenders when you're when you're starting three are so. Superb. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. 100%. I think for me, the standout is probably George uh, Baldock at Sheffield United in terms of mm. four million pound defenders. You know, he doesn't blank either. So um, he, he looks pretty nailed. Um, I know Bogle is injured at the moment, so I'm not too sure when he's back or if he'll even get get in the, the liner. You know, we're not expecting massive things from these four million pound defenders. You know, we we're just expecting them to come in. Um, and and at best keep a clean sheet, aren't we? We're not expecting mad things from from them. So I think I think yeah. In in terms of the four million pound defenders this season, they're a lot better uh, than they have been, or at least it feels.
0: It's true. And then your backup goalkeeper, four million, Ariola. I think that one's uh, pretty much universal. Although he might not be the first choice west Ham goalkeeper that we thought he might be there's, there's still time to find out about that there's still more friendlies
1: yeah i think yeah. What, what is important there is is to mention that he he has had some game time and whether whether or not he he takes over the number one role is 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 kind of in the wind because i think as long as we know we've got a a nailed number one you know like a nana or, or someone like that then then we're then we're fine and I suppose maybe that the, a late wild card or not a late wild card but a wild card around six seven eight would also give us time to to see um who who is playing the number one role for the likes of Brighton and Brentford in a sense doesn't it and and if we need to come off Onana um to move to one of them then then that's an option too
0: yeah absolutely and then- and um, because you're three five two, there's a cheap forward at the lowest price, four point five. There's not really. Uh, you've gone for Archer of Aston Villa. No. I think I'm the same. If if Arsenal's Balogun does get a transfer domestic, it, it probably becomes him. There's the West Ham striker Mubama as well. He looks. Um, he's having a great preseason, but there, there is a few bodies ahead of him there, so. And that play, ideally that player's not gonna get used really, either. yeah, yeah, Archer. Archer
1: should stay Archer is one of those players who he's basically a burner, he's basically a burner slot, so uh-huh. in, the, in the hopefully nothing catastrophic happens during a game week, and I need free substitutes, but um he should be okay he's i mean he's impressed during preseason, season, but I don't expect him to be starting matches and scoring every every game,
0: yeah. And if that catastrophe does happen where all three subs are needed, chances are it's happening to everybody. So,
1: yeah, yeah. The majority of,
0: if we're all yeah. in catastrophe, then we're not, we're not losing out, really, are we? Nope, that's it. That's it. So, um, that's pretty thorough. I think we've covered most yeah. almost everything there. So, is any, anyone else to mention?
1: No, I think I think it's it's worth noting that my draft could change at any moment, and I think if if anyone was going to change it, it would potentially be Foden. Um, Foden is the biggest. I wouldn't call him an issue. He could be an issue, um, but I think if anything is going to change the formation or change the team, it will be it will be Foden. So I'm going to monitor that and then um, act on it.
0: Fair enough. Then, well, I think. That's uh that's a good place to wrap things up. So it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod, Lewis. Thanks for your expertise. Um Yeah,
1: it's been, it's been great. It's been great, uh great catching up and, and, and talking through my draft. I feel like I've got a lot of um kind of a lot of FPL energy out of my body that I needed to get out. So so yeah, I know it's been it's been good talking FPL and it's it kind of helps you bring clarity to your own decisions when you have a conversation about it as well, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. It's very therapeutic. So uh, that's, that's what I'm here for. You're on the sofa, and I'm doing the therapy for you. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, please make sure to check out FF Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games for the Premier League, Champions League, the MLS, several European leagues, which I know is, is your area, basically. This is Serie A, Bundesliga, etc. cetera, isn't it? So Too many, too many games. <laughs> too many of anything. Uh, So yeah, if if, if you're looking for non-FPL fantasy games, uh, FF communities, the place to be for that. So thank you very much for listening and join us next time.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty